Okay, if you have your Bibles tonight, turn to the book of Psalms. And we're going to be in Psalms chapter 12. When Brandon started doing Wednesday nights, I decided that on the nights that he wouldn't be here, I would do a particular psalm, and I'm trying to do them in order. And so I've prepared several in advance, but but he really hasn't missed many Wednesday nights. Uh, so he's done pretty good. But, but uh, probably it was about a year ago when I prepared this message for uh, in Psalms uh, chapter 12. Uh, Brandon didn't call me the last night to let me know what had happened to Ned. Of course, it didn't happen to last night, but but uh, uh, bear with me. Uh, you know, I didn't have as much prep time as I normally have, but but we'll get through this. But but as I was looking at this and going through it again, uh, uh, I remember thinking back when I prepared for this psalm just how bad things were, and this was a year ago. And then now as I was reading Psalm 12 and going over my notes for Psalm 12, I, I, I said, man, what a, what a, Lord, what a appropriate psalm for the time in which we, times in which we live. I mean, uh, we're, we're living in the days when, when uh, every man does what is right in his own eyes. We're living in the days that Isaiah warned about where, where good is called evil and evil is called good. And that's exactly what the, the psalmist is going to address here as we, as we look at this psalm. Uh, there's not much of an introduction here. Uh, we sometimes can tell a little bit about what the psalm's about by, by uh, what we're told in the little introduction or, or intro at the beginning of the psalm. But here it just simply says to the chief musicians, uh, on an eight-string harp, a, a psalm of David. So we don't get we don't get much introductory matter there at all. Uh, so we have to kind of guess at what this is about. And really, we get we can figure out what it's about by just reading the psalm and getting the context of the psalm. Uh, Matthew Henry, in his commentary on this psalm, entitles it "Good Thoughts for Bad Times," and I think that's a perfect title for this psalm. There's there's some good thoughts in here. But there's also some things that, uh, about the bad times uh, in which the psalmist lived. Now, we don't know exactly what bad time David was talking about, but he was living in some bad times. He had some bad times uh, throughout his life, but, but we know of some in particular that were, were especially bad, uh, like when, when uh, Saul was hunting him down trying to kill him. That was a pretty bad time, so he could have wrote that psalm then because uh, that was bad times. Uh, he could have wrote it uh, when uh, the Amalekites came and destroyed Ziglag where he was living and took his wife and uh, his wives and children away. And, and his men were about to stone him. Those were pretty bad times. So he could have wrote it then. He might have wrote it when Absalom, his own son, rebelled against him and was hunting him down and, and looking to kill him. And so, so it might have been that we don't know exactly what the bad time was, what the occasion for this psalm was, but uh, we know it was a bad time. And the point of the psalm isn't so much the bad times, the point of the psalm is good thoughts in bad times. And, and that's what we, we want to be looking at today. So I'm going to actually use that title to kind of structure our interpretation of this, this psalm. What we're going to do, we're going to, and, and we won't be here long, but what we're going to do, we're going to look at the, the bad times first. 
What, what were the bad times here that David was describing? And, 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 and I, they might apply to a particular situation, but they really apply to all times. So they definitely uh, have application for us, especially in the bad times in which we live now. And then we're going to look at some good thoughts for those bad times. And David comes back with some really good thoughts that, that are appropriate for bad times. Bad times such as we, we live in now. So what I want to do is just read the psalm. Then we'll look at the bad thoughts and, or the bad times, and then we'll look at the good thoughts. So let's read the whole psalm, and that's how we'll start this out. This is what he says. He says, help, Lord, for the godly, for the godly man ceases. Uh, he's nowhere to be found. For the faithful disappear from among the sons of man. They speak idly, everyone to his neighbor, with flattering lips. And a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all the flattering lips lips, and the tongue that speaks proud things. Who have said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, uh, for the uh, sighing of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in safety for which he yearns. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of the earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord, you shall preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked prowl on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of man. So it's a pretty powerful psalm. And just just reading the psalm, we get enough from that to realize that, that it's pretty apropos for the for the times in which we live these bad times in which we live and let's look at the bad times first that he talks about the first thing that he says in verse one he says the godly man ceases that they're hard to be found they're hard to find Uh, they're nowhere to be found Uh, every day that passes it seems like there's less and less godly people in this world and more and more evil people in this world. But that shouldn't surprise us. That surprises some people, but that doesn't surprise me because in reading of the word, I see over and over again how things are not going to get better and better. Things are going to get worse and worse. And the reason things are going to get worse and worse is because the love of many are going to wax cold and and people are going to become more and more evil. And so, so this shouldn't surprise us. It's exactly what the Bible predicts in prophecy and, and, and in Paul's letters and in a lot of places. Things are going to get worse and worse. There was actually a time, I think, in the church where the church thought it was going to usher in the kingdom age. The things were going to get better and better. And as we turned the century uh, into the 20th century, left the 19th century into the 20th century, boy, things were really looking really, really good in the world. And then came World War I. And World War Two, and a lot of those liberal theologians that said we're going to usher in the kingdom of God, it's kingdom now, and believed in that kingdom now, really changed their mind when they saw what happened in World War Two. And then we had, you know, the Korean War, we had the Vietnam War, we've had all sorts of wars and rumors of wars since then. We had the Great Depression, we've had recession after recession. Uh, we've had some a few good politicians, but we've had a lot of evil politicians, and we've seen our country. Uh, do everything it can to, to move God out of the 
out of the public uh, arena and and uh, and really do everything we can as a nation to become just as godless as we possibly can. And we've sown to the wind, and now we're reaping the whirlwind. And 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 it's it, it's it, we shouldn't be surprised. I recently read a a poll in the Wall Street Journal, and it says among millennials, uh, less than 30% claim to be religious at all. Uh, and many of those claim to be Buddhist or New Agers or, or uh, in, they're into witchcraft. So there's very few of the young people coming up today uh, who, who would even claim to be religious. Uh, and and that then... Also in that poll, and, and because they're ungodly and they don't believe in a God, they don't want to have children. Less than 40% of millennials uh, are, less than 40% of millennials say they want to have children. And, and uh, then less than 40% uh, would say, less than 40% would claim to be patriotic. And so we, we look at our young people, and that's how you can kind of measure where a country's heading. And you look at the young people, and, and uh, it's a good barometer of the condition of our country, and our country's in really, really, really bad shape. And there's a reason for that. I believe the reason for that is there's a famine in the land. I've said this over and over and over again. And it's not so much a famine for food, although we might be heading there now, but, but it's a famine for the Word of God. Uh, it, it's hard to find the Word of God anymore. In the church, I mean, the church has pretty much forsaken the word, uh, uh, and and uh, we've heaped up for ourselves teachers who tickle our ears instead of uh, studying the word and and growing in the word and uh, uh, becoming the kind of people that God wants us to be. Uh, so God turns people over; he 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 sen- he sends them a delusion; they don't want his word. And so he sends them a delusion. And that's, that's, I think, in a lot of churches today, and I'm not picking on her. I don't try to judge any church. But the, I know there are a lot of churches out there that are teaching uh, false teachings. Uh, and and uh, we, we, we shouldn't be surprised at the situation we're in. And so, so the first thing is there's just very few godly men and women left on this earth. And then the second thing that we see here, the second uh, mark of bad times is found in verse number one. He says, the faithful disappear from among the sons of man. That kind of goes along with the the first mark of bad times, the fact that that it's hard to find a godly woman or a godly man. So because they're, they're ungodly, they're unfaithful. They're unfaithful to God. They have no relationship with God. But when you're unfaithful to God, you have no character with other people because it's faith in God, the love of God that, that gives us the kind of soul that, that can relate to other people uh, with integrity. And so uh, when, we, when God's moved out of the arena, then the faithful disappear. It's hard to find somebody anymore that you can trust. I mean, I listen, I, I shouldn't waste my time doing it, but you listen to the news and, and all you hear are lies. And anybody that stands up for the truth, they're vilified. They're, they're, they're shut down. They're not going to hear the truth. You've got to believe the lies that they're, 
they're spouting uh, on the news. And if you don't believe it, then then you're going to be you're going to be pushed out of the arena. And and that's the kind of society that we we live in right now. And so it's really hard to find uh, people who are faithful, faithful to each other, faithful, faithful to the Lord. And and uh, those kind of people are hard to find. Now, where should you be able to find those people? If you can find them anywhere, you should be able to find them in the church. And I, I got to say, we got a good group of people in our church. And there, there are some faithful people in our church and people that you can trust, people of integrity. But but for the most part, you look at our nation and there's and, and you got to really look hard for people of integrity. They're 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 they're, they're they've left the scene. Then the third uh, mark of bad times that I see we find in verse uh Number two and and verse number three. Listen to what he says. He says, he says they speak idly, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and a double heart. What's a double heart? It's kind of a plastic heart. You, uh, if you excuse the metaphor, but 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 it's an insincere heart. Uh, it's a double heart. They 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 pretend to like you. They pretend to like you, but they really don't give a flip about you. And I look at some politicians today and and how much they claim to like a certain sect of people. And they really don't care for those people at all. They care for power and they want their votes, but they don't really care for those people. And it's sickening for to, to hear the hypocrisy uh, in the political arena right now. It's, it's sickening to hear the hypocrisy in the news because I don't think I think most of it is flattery. Most of it's coming from a from a from a double uh, a double heart. A heart that that seems to to love and care, but really it's a hard heart. And we've got a lot of hard-hearted people in this world today, but that we have reached that point, as it, as we were told by the Apostle Paul, that in the last days, uh, and by the Lord Jesus, in the last days, men will become lovers of themselves, and the love of many will wax cold. And that's really where we're at right now. And and so uh, that's why we're told and. In, in Proverbs, beware of the flatterer. Uh, beware of the flatterer uh, because, it, it, because the, someone's flattering you, they're trying to get something out of you. And I think that's really the case in our nation today. In Proverbs 29.5, we're told that the man who flatters his neighbor uh, spreads a net for his feet. Uh, and, and so people who are flatterers, I, I really believe beware of the flattery because when somebody's flattered you be careful because usually they're wanting something from you and they're trying to to set a trap for you and and they very well might be backstabbers insincere double-hearted uh people so be careful then the fourth uh mark of bad time that we see in this psalm is is found in the last part of verse number three and, and the tongue speaks proud things. Proud things against who? Against God. Against really against everybody. The tongue speaks proud things. The last part of verse number three. Who have said with our tongue we will prevail. We, we're going we're gonna to prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? In other words, uh, uh, we can say what we want to say. We can do what we want to do. Uh, who's going to stop us? Uh, that's a really dangerous place to be. Uh, they uh, 
think somehow, I think our society thinks somehow that we can move God totally out of the picture. We can move him off his throne and uh, we can remove him from every uh, vestige of society and we can do what we want and who's going to tell us to do otherwise. And, And that's kind of the position we're in today. I wonder what God thinks about that. Well, he tells us in Psalms chapter chapter two, he says he sits on his throne and he laughs. I'm not going anywhere. The Lord says I, I, there, you can't move me one inch from where I'm at. You can't you can't over uh, power me. You can't overcome my will. God gives us free will, and, and, and we're seeing that being exercised in the world today in a very terrible way. But it is all working together for his good will. And uh, in time, uh, we're going to see that, especially as believers, we're going to see that, and we can, we can trust him for that. We'll see that in a minute when we look at some of these good thoughts in, in bad times. Then the fifth mark of bad times that we see here is in verse number five when he says here he says for the oppression of the poor for the for the sighing of the needy now i will arise says the lord we're living in a time when the poor are being oppressed i mean there's two sides of this this story that's going on in the united states right now there's the george floyd side and there's the 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 side against unlawfulness. Uh, George Floyd shouldn't have been killed. I mean, that officer was wrong. He was, he was being oppressed, but he, he was no saint. I mean, he was passing counterfeit money and he probably should have been arrested, but he shouldn't. He didn't deserve to die. And there is oppression in our land by the police. There is oppression in our land by rich people over poor people. There's certainly that. And the Lord sees that. And, and, and again, you sow to that wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. And, and, and we have sown to that wind. You know, I grew up in the South in the, in the 50s and 60s. I don't want to tell my age, but, but, but I saw a lot of racism. There's still a lot of racism out there. There's still people who are being oppressed. But I, let me tell you what, I taught at a black university and racism goes two ways. People are racist. Blacks are racist against whites and whites are racist against blacks if they're not regenerated, if they haven't been changed by by the life of Jesus Christ. We're going to be racist. And so so there's oppression out there and there's certainly oppression by the rich because the rich use the poor to get rich. And so they oppress the poor even more so they can get richer. We as a nation have oppressed other nations to some degree. Uh, we brought slaves over here and that was a form of oppression. And, and God sees that and there, there's punishment for that. And we've been punished for that. And we're probably going to keep being punished for that to some degree. Uh, and I've got a lot of opinions on that. And I'm not going to I'm not going to rant on that all night. But but uh, but as a born again believer, there's there's no room in our hearts, uh, no room in our faith for oppression. That's 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 something. Racism is oppression and there's no room room for for that. Uh, Then in in, uh, verse number eight, we get, I guess, really the the whirlwind. I mean, the real mark of bad times, you know, things have really gotten bad 
when you reach this point as we go to verse number eight. The wicked prowls on every side. I mean, everywhere you turn, you, you don't feel safe. The wicked are everywhere and they're prowling. What does he mean by they're prowling? They're out looking to do evil. They're out looking to do harm. And that's exactly what we see in the streets of America today. When we see these gangs and thugs running through our streets claiming to be uh, righteous people for uh, marching for a righteous cause. But in reality, they're thugs. They're thugs and thieves and murderers. And uh, they see it window where they can uh, prowl and they're prowling on every side. Uh, there's certainly some good people out there or, or some some people with a righteous cause out there that are marching and they're marching peacefully. You know, that's if they want to do that, they're welcome to do that. But we're seeing right now, we're seeing just how wicked this nation has become, just how evil this nation has become. And 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 then you get the last mark here in verse number eight, the last mark of bad times. When vileness is exalted among the sons of men, you want to you, you know you're in bad times when vileness is exalted. What is vileness? Vileness is is sexual immorality, uh, uh, lack of integrity, uh, murder, all all those major sins. Vileness is 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 doing a, something that's really profane. Totally profane, uh, morally despicable. That's what vileness is. Doing things that animals wouldn't do. You know you're, you're, you're in a vile world when you see things going on around you that even animals wouldn't do. And vileness is exalted in our society. It's exalted right here in Lafayette. I mean, perversion is exalted right here in Lafayette. In fact, you drive into the city now and the sign that says Lafayette is painted in rainbow colors, uh, exalting vileness. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't understand why, why, why the city government would do something like that. It's, it's, it, vileness is exalted in, in entertainment, in television, in movies, in sports. It's exalted in the land. It's exalted in some churches in the United States. Uh, immorality is exalted in some churches in the United States. And so uh, we're here. We, I mean, we see the marks of bad times. And uh, it paints a pretty bleak picture of the times in which we live. Uh, and I wonder what David would say if he had seen the time, say, when Ahaz ruled Israel or when Manasseh ruled Israel. Some of his descendants, some of those kings in his line, he would have said, goodness. See, I thought it was vile during my days. Look at how vile it is now. And then I wonder what he would say about the United States of America today. I wonder what Manasseh would say about the United States of America today. He probably would even say, man, 
I thought killing a few, giving a few babies up to the God of Molech was bad. I mean, America's killed 60 or 70 million babies to the God of pleasure, offered them up to the God of pleasure. So, so uh, we definitely, you look at these marks of bad times, I mean, we definitely uh, meet the mark on, on being in bad times. It almost seems that things are spinning out of control. And a society out of control is doomed. It's doomed. Unless, unless God intervenes. Unless there's some sort of revival. I, I wonder about that. I pray for that. We pray for that tonight. I'm praying for that all the time. I'm sure all of y'all are praying for that. I'm sure our whole church is praying for that. I know the real church in the United States is praying for that. But it really seems like things are spinning out of control. And it's hard not to be pretty pessimistic about the fate of our nation. But this is what I know. In the Lord, there is always hope for the child of God. Always hope for the child of God. And David knew that too. And that's why in this very psalm where he talks about how bad things were, he comes right back in the midst of that psalm and he answers those bad things by giving us good thoughts for bad times. Some really good thoughts for bad times. So I want to take a look now at some a few of these good thoughts for bad, bad times. The first one I want to look at, I, I really, you could almost stop here. We are in such bad times right now. The question that's being asked is, where's the Lord? I've heard that several times. Or what is the Lord doing? I mean, uh, my answer to that always is, he that uh, keepeth Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. Hey, he's there. He's on his throne. And watch what happens in verse number five. Listen to what the Lord says in verse number five. He says, now things have gotten so bad. The last part of verse five, he said, I will arise, says the Lord. I'm going to do something about it. It's exactly what he told Habakkuk in the book of Habakkuk. When Habakkuk said, man, they've gotten so bad, you're not doing anything about it, Lord. He said, you just wait and see. I'm going to raise up an army and I'm going to I'm going to destroy Israel. I'm going to destroy Judah. I'm going to do something about it. At some point. The Lord is going to rise up. He allows us our free will. He allows us a period of time to repent. He allows us a period of time to, 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 to pray to him in, in sackcloth and ashes and, and fasting and prayers and asking him to help our country. He gives us that time. But at some point, he's going to step in. He's going to arise and he's going to do something about, about the bad times in which we live he's gonna he's gonna do something and and we don't know just how tough that's going to be god's love sometimes is tough love and uh, uh i don't know you know what sort of storms we might see what sort of wars we might see we certainly see disease now with this covid 19 uh, again i don't think the lord Gave us COVID-19, but the Lord allowed us to have COVID-19. 
And uh, we don't know what the Lord's going to do. I actually believe much worse than the riots that are going on in our country right now, the move to defund the police, all of this lack of integrity, this ungodliness, uh, this lack of character, this lack of faithfulness. Uh, I think the worst thing, and all of this is leading to that, the worst thing that can happen to this country, the, uh, maybe the greatest judgment God can bring upon this country is to let a certain group of people take control of this country. Now, I'll just name it. Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and all of those people take control of the House and they take control of the, the presidency. That's worse than anything COVID-19 has done to this, this country. We're going to see some major changes in our life at that point. A lot worse than what we've seen so far. And so, so I'm hoping, and I, you know, I, Donald Trump's not the greatest guy in the world, but I'm hoping he, he gets reelected. You vote for who you want to, and I'm not telling you who to vote for. You wouldn't listen to me if I was telling you who to vote for. But, but at least he stands for some things that, that, that Christians stand for. And, and that other side doesn't. And if, if they take control, the church is going to be persecuted. We're going to be severely persecuted. You just wait and see. But uh, God, there's some other good thoughts and bad times we're going to look at uh, here in just a minute. But God at some point is going to arise and he's going to do something about the wickedness in the United States of America. It might be we get wiped out. Good news is, well, I'll save that for later, but, but there's some good news. Uh, but those tough times that the Lord is bringing to this country and will bring to this country when he arises and he does something about all this wickedness, that's good, too. Because it works in the hearts of righteous people to get them to, to live more righteously. Uh, it gets people to think of, uh, who aren't saved to think about their mortality and and to think about how wicked things have become and say to themselves, do I really want to be as wicked as the rest of this world? Is there, is there a way I can change? Is there a way out of this wickedness? And we know the way is through Jesus Christ. And, and, and a lot of people wake up to those kind of things when, when times get really, really bad. And so, so the Lord's going to arise and he's going to do some great things. Um, Jesus is not on his throne twiddling his thumbs. Uh, he knows exactly what he's going to do. He knows exactly how to, 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 to judge righteous, unrighteousness he, and wickedness. And he knows how to change uh, things for better. And he's going to do what it takes to change things for the better uh, is, is in his time. Uh, what it might mean, I can tell you right now. And I, I've never heard people talking about it like they're talking about it now. That doesn't mean n- nobody knows the day or the hour. But... It, it, it sure might be that we're getting really close to the rapture. A lot of people are talking about the rapture. A lot of people are talking about the rapture because we're longing for the rapture. Uh, we're longing to get out of here. We're longing to, to, to escape this wicked world as it, as, it, as it implodes right before our very eyes. Uh, and, and not only that, the Lord's not only going to arise and come get his church at some at some point, he's going to arise and come back with his church, and he's going to rule and reign on this earth in righteousness and peace forever. And so, so we've, we've got a lot 
to look forward to. Uh, in, in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, we're told that a righteous man falls seven times, but yet he will arise again. Uh, that number seven is the perfect number, the divine number. Uh, and, and, the, and Solomon had a reason for putting seven times. I mean, he could have put 20 times or three times. We keep falling. It's, uh, the righteous man falls. The righteous woman falls. There are going to be times we fall, but we will ri- arise again. Why will we arise again? Because God is control of our, of our falls. And God is, 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 is going to be with us and uh, uh, he's going to rise us up raise us up and help us whenever we fall. So, so even if we fall during these, these bad times, uh, we're going to get back up so, because the Lord is going to arise and he's going he's to help us. And then I see another good thought in bad times in, in verse number 5, 2. He says, he says, Now I will arise, says the Lord, and I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. I mean... You kind of want to get out of this mess you're in, or we're in. Uh, at some point, the Lord's going to rise up, and he's going to put us in a very safe spot. A very safe spot that's going to uh, protect us, uh, in, in, even in the midst of the fires we face in this world. Just like he, he, he rose up and helped Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Nebuchadnezzar's fire. He's, he walked with him through that and got him through that fire. He's going to rise up and he's going to get us through any fires that we might face. As Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 9, the Lord knows how to keep uh, his elect and, and, ju- and uh, reserve the wicked for, for, for judgment. He knows how to keep his elect from, from tribulation and judge the wicked for for, uh, for judgment. Then, let me wrap it up here. Uh, the next thing that we see, we see in verse number six, a good thought for, this is a really good thought for bad times. This is why most of you are here tonight. This is why I'm here tonight. This good thought. In verse number six, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified. Again, that's number seven, seven times, purified seven times, purified perfectly. Uh, The words of the Lord are pure words. They're perfect words. Uh, The the, the, uh, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And the reason we have faith is because we hear the word of God. Uh, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And, and how do we know the truth? We know the truth by meditating on God's pure word. Its, it's word is pure and, and uh, uh, it's been purified Forever, It's been purified throughout my life as a Christian. It's been purified throughout the lives of everyone who's read this word throughout their lives. Uh, it's, it's perfect and complete and, and answers all our questions. It, it, 
it builds us up in Jesus Christ and it gives us the wisdom and encouragement to face the trials of life. And so, so we have his word. Uh, when, when we're in bad times, uh, the good thought is I have his word. And the more I'm in this word and the more this word becomes part of my mind, the more I'm able to face the bad times of life. The more I see this, see this word and the more I see the promises of this word fulfilled uh, and, and, and come true, the more I trust this word, the more I trust the Lord, and the more I'm able to face the trials of life. I mean, you can bank on it. Those people who despair in times like we're living in right now are not in the word of God. It's impossible for you to despair if you're in the word of God. The word of God will supernaturally feed you. It will feed us and it will give us strength and it will give us hope and it will give us uh, life. It will grow us up to be the kind of people we need to be in very difficult times. And then the last thing that I see here in verse number seven, this last good thought. There's a lot of good thoughts here, but the last one I'm going to look at, verse number seven. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. Now, there's two ways to look at that. The Lord's going to keep his people. He's going to preserve them uh, uh, from this generation forever. He's always going to preserve his people. And we we know that's true. And we see that elsewhere in scripture. But I think in context, what he's talking about, he's talking about the word of God. He's talking about his promises in the word of God. He says, you shall keep them, O Lord. There's not one promise that you've made in your word that you won't keep. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. Your word is preserved. Your promises are sure. And you're going to keep all your promises. And I don't know of a better way to, to finish than that. Because if, if, if we really believe that all the promises, promises of God are for sure, then, then uh, that's a really good thought for bad times. I mean, he's promised us so many things. I mean, one of the things he's promised us is that our days are numbered. They were numbered uh, God wrote our days down in his book before there were any of them. And so the wicked can't do anything to us that God doesn't allow to happen. There's, they, the, the wicked can't shorten our lives one day. God's already written down in his book just how long we're going to be here. And he's going to keep us here. And, and he's going to keep us during uh, and watch over us during those times. Uh, we're told in Hebrews chapter 13, he promises that he will never leave us or forsake us. So no matter how bad things get, the Lord will never leave us or forsake us. And here's the one that we all come to all the time. And it always pops into my mind. And that is that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That whatever we go through, it's for our good. Nothing that will harm us for or be for our bad. It might harm us. It might hurt us. But it's going to be for our good. Nothing happens to us that's bad for us. And uh, then I, let me finish with this one. In Romans eight thirty two. he says, He who spared not his son, own son, how much more will he freely 
give us all things, all things that we need to face these bad times in which we live. The Lord is going to take care of us. The Lord's going to get us through this. He got David through all of those hard times and all of those bad times. And he's going to get you and I through whatever we're facing right now. Whatever we face in the future, he's going to get us through every bit of it. And he promises that one day he's going to arise and he's going to come get his church. He's going to get his people and he's going to take us back to be with him forever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for for all of the things that, that you teach us and all the encouragement that you give us in your word. Father, I thank you for for all the promises that you've made to us. I thank you, Lord, that that when we look at the news and we see our society imploding around us, Lord, we know that you're still in control. And if you want to abate these situations, Lord, and you want to make things right and you want to turn this nation around, Lord, you can do it. Lord, we pray for that. We pray for revival in this land. We pray that these hard times bring about the salvation of many souls. Lord, and we we want to see everybody saved who possibly can get saved. But, Lord, we also long for the time when you arise up and you come and get your church and you bring us to be with you. And then, Lord, uh, we come back with you and you rule and reign on this earth. Lord, things are only going to be right when your kingdom comes to this earth uh, in a physical way. And you rule and reign in righteousness and peace. We look forward to that day, Lord. Until that time, we ask that you strengthen us and continue to encourage us through your word, through your spirit, uh, through our exhorting one another. We just ask for, for your blessings on our life. We ask that in Christ's name. Amen.